Chapter 4 of The Sleeping Beauty by C.S. Evans. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 4 And now came the time for the most important part of the ceremony, when the fairy godmothers should declare their gifts to the royal child. All this time, the little princess Briar Rose had been quietly sleeping in her cradle in the nursery, watched over by an old servant who had tended her mother as a child. Now the king gave orders for the baby to be brought into the banqueting hall. The guests ceased their laughter and talk, and the musicians laid by their instruments. So the sleeping child was brought and placed in her mother's arms. How tenderly! She clasped the baby to her breast, bending over it as though to shield it from all harm. So sweet a sight should have touched the hardest heart. And indeed, there was only one person in the room who remained unmoved. And that was the spiteful and jealous fairy who looked up and bared her yellow teeth in a sneering grin. Queen, said she. Your face is pale, and your lips tremble. What is it that you fear on this day of the giving of gifts? But the queen shuddered and was silent. Then a fairy rose in her place and said, I will begin. My gift to the princess Briar Rose is the gift of beauty. She shall have eyes like stars and hair as bright as the sunshine of the spring day on which she was born, and cheeks as fresh and fair as the petals of the flower from which she takes her name. None shall surpass her in loveliness. Then the second fairy rose in her turn and said, After beauty, wit, the princess shall be cleverer than any ordinary mortal could ever hope to be. I give her virtue, said the third, and the queen nodded her head and smiled, for though she esteemed beauty and cleverness, she knew that neither was of any worth without goodness of heart. So all the fairies in turn named the gift which they had brought for Briar Rose. The fourth said that whatever the princess put her hand to, she should do with the most exquisite grace. The fifth that she should sing like a nightingale, the sixth, that she should dance as lightly as a fairy, and so on, until she had nearly all the virtues and accomplishments which even a king might desire for his daughter. But as yet, the spiteful old fairy had not said a word. At last she rose and cast an evil glance around. Have you all finished? said she. Hear then my wish. On the day when she reaches her fifteenth birthday, the princess shall prick her finger with the spindle of a spinning wheel and shall immediately die. This terrible prophecy made the whole company shudder. The queen gave a cry and hugged the sleeping baby still closer to her breast. No, no, have pity, she cried. Call down your dreadful fate on my head if you will, 
but do not harm this innocent child. At this mournful appeal, there was hardly one of the guests who could keep from tears, but the old crone only mumbled to herself, as though she were uttering a spell. Then the king leapt to his feet, his hand at the jeweled hilt of the dagger that hung at his girdle. In another moment, he might have stretched the wicked creature lifeless at his feet, but before he could draw the weapon from its sheath, another voice arrested him. Stay your hand, O king, lest even worse befall. No mortal may strike at a fairy and go unpunished. And, for the rest, take comfort, for your daughter shall not die. Then, the twelfth fairy stepped out from behind the arras where she had been hidden. My gift is still to come, she continued. As far as I can, I will undo the mischief which my sister has done. It is true that I have not the power to prevent altogether what she has decreed. The princess shall indeed prick her finger with the spindle of the spinning wheel on the day when she attains her fifteenth year, but instead of dying, she shall fall into a deep sleep, and this sleep shall last for a hundred years, and when that time is past, a king's son shall come to awaken her. End of chapter 4